On this episode of Brad on Will, we're coming to you after the first two summer league games, so stay tuned. We're going to give some in-depth analysis on those. And welcome back to another episode of Bright On Will. I'm your first host, Will. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, all that good stuff at Bias Houston. Over there, we do a lot of the different uh, rocket spaces, rocket content. You need some stats, you need some highlights. We got you covered on that front. Uh, shout out Cluster City Control Room on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you go give us a follow over there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave a comment as well. We're trying to get active on that front, responding to a lot more comments. So make sure you drop a comment. Um, and then shout out the, the Bright On Will social media account. We've been posting a lot of. Um, of, of podcast highlights and different you know content over there as well so if you wanted some more brad on will content uh, make sure you check in over there um, i'll pass it off to brad i'm your other host as always brad you can find me on instagram and twitter at brado nba got all your favorite stats highlights all that good stuff anytime you want you can check me out over there and if you're new to the channel make sure to subscribe we post every single monday so that's a good way to stay tuned. We also have the Launchpad podcast and Five Slammer Jam that posts Houston Cougars content. But getting into today's episode, we just had two fun summer league games. The Rockets played the Orlando Magic in game one. We got to see Jafari Smith versus Paolo Bencaro. And then last game, we got to see uh, the Rockets go against Chet Holmgren's Oklahoma City Thunder. That was a fun game. The Rockets ended up getting the win in that game. So we're going to break that into two segments. We're going to talk about the Rockets and Magic game first i'll let will give his thoughts first so will what were your overall thoughts on the game well first you lied bro you i think you said um that game Uh-oh. was fun that magic game was not fun at all uh, <laughs> that was i did lie i lied i didn't enjoy that game uh uh at all and i mean it wasn't because we lost uh i i didn't really expect this i didn't think we were gonna win that game anyways i i, I thought that the, the magic were a better team than us uh at least that summer league wise right um so yeah i didn't expect that we we're gonna win but it was it was a frustrating watch. Um, it seemed like we got outcoached, right? So that it seemed like our coaching staff was was new to it, and they got outcoached by the Orlando Magic coaching staff. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of selfish play um, from everybody on the roster, but especially from our guards. Uh, there was a, a a severe lack of involvement from Jabari Smith in the offense, um, and then his defense wasn't. Um, I feel like he could have been better on the defensive end as well. Um, was that? Friday. That was no. That was Thursday. That Thursday. was Thursday. Um, yeah, Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. So I feel like his, his defense could have been a little bit better then. Um, and like I said, the, the main thing that was kind of just making me so upset watching that game was like I said, it just seemed like we it was it was the classic case of what we complained about all last year with the Rockets and, and their coaching. It's like, man, what was the what was the offense? What was the identity out there? It was that was AAU basketball in its finest. Just guys out there kind of running. Whoever got the ball. Was trying to get a bucket and there was no there was no plays there was no ball movement there was no you know i'm thinking about uh helping my teammate out it was just i'm gonna get it and i'm gonna go and that's cool when it works and it didn't work and so it was not cool um and like i said I, i've been saying this in spaces and on twitter i felt like there was a lot of guys out there who were playing for their jobs and not playing for you know a team win you know what i'm saying and one thing that we've been we've been trying to hammer home, you know, talking about the, these different summer league games, is like, what's gonna if you're a guy who you know, because it wasn't it wasn't the Jabari Smiths who were or Tari Eastons or the Ty Ties who were kind of sitting. It was kind of the guys who might be trying to uh, fight for like a a play in. I mean, not a play in a, a G League uh, two way contract kind of guys. Like those are the guys who were kind of like, all right, man, like what are you doing? And like one thing we've been trying to hammer home, you know, when talking about these G League games is like, if you're one of those guys. What's going to get you on the Rockets roster, what's going to get you to it, what's going to get you on the, on the G League team is not averaging 30. You know what I'm saying? Like being James Harden is not going to put you on that team because, one, you're, there's a reason that you're, you know, unsigned. You didn't get drafted because you probably can't be James Harden. You know what I'm saying? So, like, trying to be someone that you're not is not going to get you on that roster. What's going to get you on that roster is if you show uh, Stone and Silas that you can be a great fit around Jabari Smith and, and Jalen Green, right? If you can prove to them that, that you're going to be – um a great fit with those two guys you, you can you're giving yourself as good of a fighting chance to make the roster and that's one of the reasons why like i, I highlight tai 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 washington in my opinion was really really good in you know these first two games because when, when he's on the court i can tell that he knows how to run an offense 
and he's making sure that Jabari gets the ball in his spots. There was there were possessions um, these last two games where um, Ty Ty would, you know, would, would, would let Jabari post up and then give him the ball and got his way. And like something as simple as that is what's going to stand out. It stood out to me. It's, it stands out to everybody watching. So I know it stands out to, to Stone and them. It's like, okay, like I know I can trust this guy to get my future superstar in his spot versus, you know, maybe somebody else who's like his, his go-to was I'm getting to the room. I'm trying to get a bucket. We got Jalen Green. We we got enough buckets. We don't we don't need a bucket. We need you to be a complimentary piece of the players that we have. Um, and so you know, I, I saw a lot of guys who were kind of out there playing a little selfishly um, and not really playing for the team. And then last thing I'll say before I pass off to Brad is like uh, Tari Eason has been really really amazing in my opinion so far. I know Brad's probably gonna have some stats pulled up for Tari, but definitely. <laughs> I, I, I know it. I know it already. But but Tari is like he, in my opinion, I, I know we're kind of jumping the gun here talking about these two games, but like. He, in my opinion, is the the biggest bright spot um, between you know for, between these two games for so far in summer league. I mean, his defensive energy is infectious. Um, his hustle is is real. I mean, he's the guy who's going to jump for a loose ball, dive into the crowd. He's he's getting offensive rebounds, ripping rebounds away from the other team. Um, it's he does a lot of things that won't show up in the box score, but if you watch the game, you know like his impact and his presence is felt. And you can never have too many guys like that. You can never have too many guys who, you know what I'm saying, will 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 find ways to impact the game, even when their jump shot isn't falling, right? Because that's, that's one thing Tari Eason still kind of struggling with. It's one thing we kind of predicted in last week's episode was that maybe his jump shot may not have been there um, off the rip. And it, it wasn't. I, I I don't know if I said Brown has, has the, the steps. Whatever. He probably didn't shoot the best from three. But to me, that doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like He, he didn't shoot the best from three, but I don't care because he did everything else really, really well um and so like yeah he's been the, the bright spot and then like i said the, the last thing as far as um you know th- uh, thursday's game was just man it was like it was so many times where like um jabari would be in position to to score to impact the game offensively and we just didn't let him do it um uh, we, we we complained about that uh i say we's in like rockets fans rockets twitter we complained about Jalen not really being able to impact the game offensively uh last season I think the difference between Jalen and Jabari not being able to impact the game is Jalen would, when he would get like relegated to the corner, that would be like a personal decision. He would kind of shout to the corner, trying to space the floor, first team is not getting away, right? Jabari would do the things that would necessitily getting the ball, right? He would set screens, he'd roll hard, he'd pick and pop, you know what I'm saying? He'd post up smaller players, he'd get mismatches, and we just wouldn't give him the ball. So it was, like I said, it was a very frustrating watch, uh, just not even from the fact that we lost. It was just frustrating from the standpoint of, like, that was not a good showing. That was not our best foot forward. Um, we could have played a lot better as a team, um, win or lose. And so, yeah, I was I was pretty frustrated with that. But what were your thoughts on that, Brad? Yeah, um, you were right on the money. You know, Summer League MVP so far is definitely Tari Eason. You know, just talking about that first game, came out with a double-double, only played 25 minutes, you know, 14 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, you look at the box score and see he shot uh, six for well, 17, what it was, two for nine for three. If you didn't watch the game, you're like, man, why is, that, why is he shooting so much? But – Tari Eason is a guy who did not shoot a lot in college, only 2.5 attempts a game at LSU last season. So the fact that he goes out there and takes nine attempts, I like that a lot. That means he has confidence in his jump shot. He's been working with John Lucas on that, and that's something that they want him to, you know, have down at some point of his NBA career. So the fact that he's out there taking that many jump shots from three when he never did that in college, that's a good sign in my opinion because those are going to fall eventually, and they're going to keep working on him, you know, with that jump shot. So Tari Eason in that first game, you know, defensively he's everywhere. Um, six, eight, seven, two wingspan. He can guard every single position. And the energy he exerts on that side of the floor is just like infectious to the rest of the team. He's out there talking, you know, moving around. And I, I love everything I saw from Tar Eason. He, he looked amazing. So summer league MVP, in my opinion, so far. A uh, second segment, I'll talk about, you know, how he played against the Thunder because it impressed me even more in that game. But, you know, outside of that, you know, that first Orlando game, you know, you got Jabari, Brisbane, Carroll. Everyone's excited for it. And Ultimately, Jabari didn't get that many looks. You know, they, they weren't feeding him in his spots like he's supposed to be. You know, Jabari Smith, yeah, he was the third overall pick, but he's not a guy that's going to get the ball at the top of the key, dribble, dribble, tween, tween, has he cross and get a bucket. That's not his game. That's not his game. They got to hit him on some <laughs> – Will got me laughing. They got to hit him in the post where he excels. If he has a mismatch, he can just hit you with a little, you know, post move and turn around, fade away. That's his game. Come off a screen, hit some threes, drive and penetrate kick it to him there was a um a twitter account on um a twitter account arian he posted a thread that had 
at least 12 pictures where Jabari Smith was wide open and the Rockets guards did not find him or whoever had the rock did not find him. The man is a generational shooter. At Auburn, at least he was. I know he's been struggling, so it sounds crazy for me to say that. But at Auburn, he shot 51.7% on catch and shoot threes when he was uncontested, even 37.2% when he was contested from three at Auburn. So, yeah, the shot's been off. I'll get to that in game two in the next segment. But you still got to find him. He's a really good shooter. That's how he's going to excel. He needs those touches. And he did get those touches in game two, but I'll get to that. But in the first game, they weren't finding him enough, and that was frustrating. He shot four for 10 ultimately, and – you know, not not the best game. You know, he said he he came out there with jitters. You could tell he had jitters out there on the floor. But I wasn't mad at his showing. He could have looked a little better defensively as well. But again, I wasn't mad at the showing. You know, if you look at Bancaro's stat line from that game, he had what well, he shot five for twelve from the field, had seventeen points. So they still played you know pretty good defense on him. But yeah, you just wish in that first game Jabari had more touches. And outside of that, um, Josh Christopher, uh, will I don't believe you touched on Josh, but I'll touch on him yeah. really quickly. I liked off rip, you know, the assertiveness he was showing, the aggressiveness he was showing, you know, get to the paint, try to score at will. But then after, you know, a certain point in time, it's like, dang, dang Josh, like you're gonna pass the ball or <laughs> you know, you're gonna get some other guys involved. And I wasn't really seeing that. He was he was facilitating a little bit, but not not enough to my liking. I want him to kind of play a role that he'll play on the Rockets main roster. I felt like he was trying to do too much at some times. Um, he just needs to take a step back and play within the offense. Um, keep being aggressive. You know, get your buckets. You're the best player on the team at the moment, so do that. But, you know, you have other people that are wide open on the court with their hands up, you know, jumping up and down. You know, you got to find them in those situations. So, you know, overall, I'll, I'll write off Josh's stats from the first game. 22 points, you know, shot 7-18 from the field, 7-8 from the free throw line. So I like he's getting to the free throw line. But Josh is way better than 7-18 for 18 from the field. He's better than that. Um, I was looking forward to his shot selection being a lot better. That was one of my main points when it came to Josh Christopher. I wanted him to take good shots out there, and he was taking some iffy shots for sure. Uh, that 7-18 kind of showed it. He, he, was, he was forcing action too much. But last thing I touched on, I didn't touch on Ty Ty Washington. I love what I saw from him in that first game. I want to say off rip, he came down uh, the middle of the floor, had a nice little spin move, kicked to the corner. That man is special. Uh, he's doing a lot of things out there. He can shoot the ball, play defense, 6'3", six, 6'9", six, wingspan. I love Ty Ty Washington. That was an amazing pick at, you know, 29 by Rafael Stone. I still don't know how he fell that far because uh, of an ankle injury. Both, I don't want to say thank goodness he had an ankle injury, but thank goodness that that brother fell to the 29 because he's going to be a bright spot for the Rockets. He looked better than Dacia Nix, who was – he looked really bad in that first game and, and the second half of that uh, – the first half of that Thunder game. Played well in that second portion of it. But in that first game, Dacia Nix just looked lost out there. I didn't like what I saw from him at all. Ty Ty looked way more comfortable – a more natural point guard, someone who's going to more fit more seamlessly in with the main roster as the backup point. So I liked what I saw from Ty Ty. Just, you know, the ability to do all the things that I mentioned and shoot the ball extremely quick, that, that's going to help. Man. Last thing I'll touch on, you know, Will, as you mentioned, some of those guys who want to make the roster, you got to come in there and show that you're not trying to force it. You know, you just got to come in there and make an impact. Someone who did that, number 35, Will's new favorite, number 35, Eric Coleman, he came in there. <laughs> he came in there. He was shooting, um, playing defense, getting blocks. I like what I saw from him. You know, Eric Coleman, that's the guy who wants to get that two-way spot, and you could tell. Um, I liked what I saw from him. I, I want to see him potentially start a game uh, against the Spurs or against the Trailblazers in the next two games that the Rockets play. But last thing I'll say, uh, Trevor Hudgens, that's my guy. Uh, I do like him. He, he played bad defense in the first game, but he's a guy, as Will mentioned, you know, you don't want to do too much out there, kind of fit within the team. I see that he's doing that. You know, he's not forcing the action too much. I've liked what I've seen from him. He could shoot really well. Shot 50% in college throughout 100 games uh, over a four-year uh, period. You know, shooting over 50% is crazy. And right now he's shooting four for seven from three in the, in the summer league as, as a whole. So I like the fact that he can uh, shoot the lights out. That's going to be able to fit with the rest of the guys on the team. But I doubt he makes the roster. But I've been talking for a minute. Will, I know you want to talk about Anthony Lamb. So go ahead and talk to me about Anthony Lamb. No, nah, man, I don't, I don't see how Anthony Lamb continues to get on this roster. Um, I don't I don't think he's an NBA player. Uh, he's We've had, what is it, three seasons now to, to, to know that Anthony Lamb is an <laughs> NBA player. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's related to somebody in the front office, and that's why he can see a good job. Um, but, yeah, you kind of touched on, like, one of the things I was touching on, too, is, like, you know, Eric Coleman is he's a he's not my favorite 35 just yet, but he's 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 getting he there, to right? be. He needs to be. He's he's getting there. And one of the reasons I like him is because he's a great example of starring in your role, right? He's he when he gets the rock, he's not looking to, you know, I'm gonna go out there and be James Harden. 
he's if he's open, he shoots. If he's not, he's swinging it. You know what I'm saying? If he gets a in, in the paint, he's, he's going. He dunks on. He dunked on Shet. Uh, we'll talk about that in the next segment. But he he does stuff like that. He finishes plays, um, and he hustles. He, he's getting blocks. He's you know what I'm saying he's being one of the guys who, who fights for rebounds, and like that's what's going to get you a spot on the team. Not if he could to go out there and be Anthony Davis, you know what I'm saying, or, or Christian Wood, and you know try to you know step back three, uh, Twin Hazy Cross. Like man, that wasn't going. It's not going to get you on the roster. And so that's that's the reason why like uh Brett kind of touched on it with, with Dacia Nix. He really frustrated me in that first game, like really frustrated me. He's somebody who when Tatai was drafted, I was like, all right, man, like it might start getting kind of tough for Dacia Nix to kind of get some minutes. So he's gonna have to start really showing me something to like justify him really getting these minutes. And that first game did him no favors in my personal opinion. He's, he kind of picked up a little bit in the second game, but that first game. I was like, man, if Nick doesn't come out in game two, show me something, I might be completely off this guy. Because he was kind of, he was the main guy I was kind of talking about. When I said it felt like he was fighting for his job and playing very selfish. It wasn't, there was so many times I've never seen Dacia Nix be so determined to get to the rim and then not capitalize at the free throw line. Like it was ridiculous. And there were so many different times where like him and Josh Christopher would have uh, Jabari like wide open and just wouldn't give him the ball. So I'm like, yeah, like that, that game. Did um did did they should nix no favorites in my opinion? But um, what I wanted to ask you about Brad, and I'll kind of touch on it real quick. Um, we got we got our first look at uh, at Paulo Bancaro um on Thursday, and that was somebody I think we both kind of had at the top of our boards. Um, and not not to say that we we regret uh who we got because obviously I think we got the best player available at uh, at pick three was Jabari Smith, but. One of the reasons I had Paulo Bancaro so high is what I saw from him on, on Thursday right now. It is just summer league. This isn't the NBA just quite yet, so there's still a lot more to be seen and to be determined. But he looked amazing to me on Thursday. And, like, what I saw from him that on Thursday was is why I had him so high. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's a legit 6'10 who can score at all three levels and can get somebody else a bucket, right? He was throwing dimes out there, dog. It was one pass – uh, I think Josh ended up blocking the yeah, shot, but like yeah. you know what I'm talking about, where he passed, where Ben yeah. Carroll passed out of the shot to the paint, and Josh ended up blocking it. But like, how many six ten guys? How many guys in the NBA can make that pass? Then how many guys who are six ten who can make that pass? And then guys who were six ten, because like Ben Simmons is six ten, maybe might, might be seven feet, and he can make that pass. But Ben Simmons can't score like Ben Carroll can, right? Like that was the the biggest one of the biggest critiques of Ben uh, of Ben Carroll's game coming into the NBA was like maybe his jump shot won't translate. I don't know what he shot off the top of my head, but five for like, twelve, two for three from three. Yeah. So like no nah, man, he didn't struggle. <laughs> he was not <laughs> struggling from um from from you know he had a his footwork was on full display. He had that really nice turnaround over Taris and Anjabar that was like beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't struggle from that department. And then the, the next thing was like, oh can he impact the game defensively? And you know we we had uh we had um, Adam Smeller kind of come in. Who like all the guys who were draft gurus kind of came in. They were like, "Yeah, man, like we don't really invest too much stock into the Ben Carroll can't play defense narratives, right?" And like I know it's summer league, but like man, he was playing some really solid defense out there on Thursday, right? Like there was the possession where Jabbar got the isolate on him, and, and he contained him. He blocked the shot at the rim. Like if if Paulo can just do that, at worst, I mean, come on, dog, he's gonna be perfectly fine in the NBA. And like at the part. That was just killing me. That was like, man, this game, Big Carroll is really good. Is how he was finding the open shooter all night long. The finding the open man consistently, dog. Like that to me, that's what makes a superstar. Is if you can, if if you can reliably get yourself a bucket and then get somebody else a bucket. I mean, I can't think of too many guys in the NBA who can do those two things at an elite level who are not superstars. So, um, yeah, man, I was really impressed with Paulo Bancaro's performance. Um, I'm gonna be interested to see kind of how he develops in Orlando because yeah, man, that was that was some serious stuff that he showed us. But I, I, I'm curious, what, what are your thoughts on that, Brad? I mean, yeah, he showed why he was uh, the best prospect in the draft. I'll keep it short and sweet. But as Will mentioned, being six ten at that size, being able to do everything he does on the court, you know, throwing the ball, you know, on a line, you know, wherever he is on the court, you know, throwing zip passes, you know, regardless if he's you know going up for a jumper and seeing somebody in the corner of his eye and making a crazy pass the ball handling ability, you know, the mid-range shots. Um, he has a little bit of Carmelo in his game. I saw a clip on Twitter that had the exact same uh, post move, you know, jab, turnaround, post-fade, spin, money, you know, look, look just like Carmelo. And this is the same guy who passes extremely well at 6'10", and he could bully uh, his way into the paint at that same size too. You know, he was a little rusty out there, barely, because he had six fouls. That's the only thing I'll talk about. Summer League, 
they were calling a lot of ticky tack stuff. But outside of that, yeah, he, he looked amazing out there. You know, so good for him. You know, Orlando got a good one. They need to realize that he's the guy over there and it's his team and just let him run the show. But yeah, he, he really impressed me uh, in that last game. But I had nothing else to add for, for this segment. Well, if you didn't have anything to add, we'll get on to the next segment. We'll be talking about OKC and the Rockets game. All right, and welcome back to the next segment of the Bride on Will Show today. Uh, we spent the last segment talking about the first summer league game against the uh, Orlando Magic. And this, we're going to spend the uh, this segment discussing the uh, Orlando, no, I'm sorry, Orlando, the Houston Rockets versus OKC Thunder. Um, some of the game that happened uh, yesterday, which will be uh, two days ago when this when this drops. But uh, I'll, I'll let Brad go first this time. Uh, what were your thoughts uh, on the, the Thunder Rockets game that uh, happened uh, on Saturday? Yeah, you know, a lot of thoughts on this game. You know, first, um, it's an impressive win over a stacked OKC Ross. You know, they got Josh Giddy out there, Chet, and a few number one uh, or first round draft picks, you know, with Ujmain Jang and um, J Dub, Jalen Williams. So it's an impressive win for one. So I want to give him a shout out for that. But, you know, as for some player insight, you have to start with, you know, Tari Eason again, as I mentioned in the first segment. You know, he's been the Summer League MVP so far. And in that second game, he showed why, again, you know, at his size and his versatility, he was everywhere again in this last game. You know, the communication was on point. Uh, well, I don't know if you saw, there was that one clip where Jabari was on the ground and uh, Tari was trying to help him up. He was like, man, get up, get up, Jabari, get up. <laughs> you know, just little things like that. You know, I love Tari Eason, man. He's he's going out there, had another double-double. Uh, looking at his stats really quickly, he had 14 and 11, you know, two steals and one block. And there's some clip, there's some plays where he's just using his insanely long wingspan to get stops. And it's, he's just a special talent. Uh, I'm really happy that he fell to 17 to the Rockets. So, you know, on to the next topic, you know, Jabari, we talked about he didn't get enough looks in the first game. In the second game, the Rockets went to him early and often, which I really liked. And he, he had nothing to show for it, you know, early on and throughout, you know, the entire game. He shot five for 19 total. But, again, Jabari, he was a good shooter at Auburn, so I'm not really concerned about his jump shot. But I was happy to see him getting a lot of a lot of looks. I'd rather him take a lot of shots than to him, you know, be timid and like, oh, I'm missing. I'm not going to shoot anymore. Um, Will and I have talked about this on the timeline often on Twitter. You know, Trey Young shot 12 for 52 in his first three summer league games. Yes, Trey Young can create his shot, but, you know, shoot or shoot at the end of the day. You know, that's my, that's my point when I say this. You know, Jabari, the shot, it may be off, but at the end of the day, Trey Young is a shooter. You know, Jabari Smith is a shooter. Keep shooting, and the shots are going to fall. And the one bright spot about, you know, Jabari in this game, even though he shot terribly uh, from the field, he came out there, got nine rebounds, four steals, and three blocks, and played lockdown defense on Chet Holmgren. You know, Chet wasn't able to do anything on Jabari a number of steals and blocks on uh, Chet. He's just a menace out there. He's a really good paint presence, something that the Rockets have missed for a long time. You know, again, they've had, you know, Jay Sean Tate guarding centers, you know, for the past season. So it's good to have a guy like Jabari to come in there and, you know, take that role if there's ever a switch or if they need a center or someone, if they need someone to guard a center, you know, Jabari can step in and be that guy. So Jabari, even though he shot terribly from the field again, he was extremely impactful. Uh, you could argue he was one of the most impactful players in that game, you know, against OKC. So I'm not mad about what I saw from Jabari. The shot is going to start falling off. I'm hoping it starts to fall in this game, but I'm not mad if it doesn't again. It's just summer league. So, yeah, uh, I was impressed with Jabari overall. And, you know, getting on to, you know, Josh Christopher, again, he's trying to force too much action out there. Shot six for 17 from the field. I just want him to step back and be more of a playmaker. Again, he was had too much tunnel vision at times. And there's there's one time Will, I don't know if you saw it, he he called for the ball when he had Chet on him. And even Dacia Nix was like waving him off. He was like, nah, I'm good. Like, I'm not giving you the ISO there. But you know, Josh, he just needs to step back, um, be more of a playmaker, continue to be aggressive, of course, but just play within the team, get everybody involved, you know, look for Jabari if he's open, because again, that's your third overall pick. We're trying to see what he can do ultimately. So just feed him the rock in those situations. Um, Dacia Nix, um, he did play really good in the second half. I have to give him his props. You know, he shot six or nine from the field, hit a couple big shots, uh, made a few good passes in that, you know, second half as well. So I'm just happy to see him play well. But all in all, Ty Ty Washington, he still uh, stole the show for me. You know, he came out there, hit two threes, had a nice three at the end of the uh, the first half where he pumped fake, dribbled into the left, pulled the three and hit it. And then he had that clutch floater over Chet Holmgren, you know, to give the Rockets a lead with less than 30 seconds left. So. I still want to see Ty Ty get that backup rollover Dacian. He's winning it as of right now. Again, more of a true point guard, which is what the Rockets need on the court. So I'm liking what I see from uh, Ty Ty Washington, Tari, and Jabari. I love all three draft picks so far. 
And again, a uh, last thing I'll say about this game, I have to talk about my man, Eric Holman, uh, banging on Chet Holmgren. <laughs> he checked in, immediately missed a three. I think someone got a rebound and kicked it back out to him. And he had a, a left-hand tomahawk on Chet. So shout out to him for that. He's trying to get that roster spot. I'm loving everything I'm seeing from uh, Eric Holman. So I'm hoping he keeps it up. You know, maybe he starts going forward. But uh, really quickly, Will, um, I'll let you go. Then I actually want to talk about how Uzman hasn't played. But we'll talk about that after your, your thoughts on the game. Yeah, we can do that. Um, yeah, so uh, where do I want to start? So, yeah, I, I, I want you with the Josh Christopher stuff, right? Um, I think I've seen enough of Josh Christopher, and right? Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I've seen enough, and not because I don't like Josh, I'm, I'm still super excited for him and his development. I'd still give him the six man role, um, game one, 20 25 minutes a night. Like, yeah, he, he's he's still that guy, but as far as summer league goes where we're trying to evaluate what we do have in a Dacian Knicks, in a Tata Washington, in a Jabari Smith, in a Tar East. And, like, we know what we have a Josh. We know he's a bucket. We know he's going to go out there and play some good defense. We know his decision-making isn't the best, and some league has kind of proved that. Um, and we know his jump shot is, you know, sometimes pretty shaky. Like I said, some league has kind of shown that, too. I think we have a good assessment of what we have in Josh Christopher moving forward. And I think him just coming out there and, you know, doing his James Harden impression, isn't really good for him because that's not the role he's going to play when he comes back to the Rockets. And it's not good for the players, players out there trying to develop because, like, like they need touches. They need to be, you know, fed the ball. Especially like when you have a guy like Jabari who Brad kind of touched on in the first segment. Jabari isn't going to create his own jump shot, at least not out the gate. And he's not going to demand the ball either. So you're going to have to give him – you're going to have to set him up. And so having somebody out there who's not looking to do that, I, yeah – yeah, I think it's another Josh Christopher. He's he's shown to me that he's he's still a really good player, and you know he's still a, a future piece of this team. But uh, it might be time for you to go ahead and just <laughs> sit down for the rest of the summer. Um, so I think Brad said too. Tari Eason, like I said, he's been the most um, impressive part of summer league so far, man. His energy yesterday was even more infectious um, and even more um, important than than it was, you know, in, in the first game against the Magic. Um, you know, he was. Ripping rebounds away, uh, pushing the tempo, um, communicating on defense. Like Brad said, he seems to be the heart and soul of the team. And one thing that he did that I really, really like, um, it's, just, it's little things like this, man. But like after the game was over, so in, and when the game was supposed to come in, you know, they fouled him with the free throw line. He missed the first shot, made the second one. Unfortunately, it didn't matter anyways, right? Like they they went down. I think they tried to shoot a three and they just missed. Game over, anyways, right? No, actually, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a three. I think each played like was like a mid range somewhere in that area. I think that's what it was, and exactly. he just missed, and that that was yeah. game, right? So it didn't matter, anyways. But Tari was mad at himself, right? Tari was mad. He went on Twitter. He was mad at himself. He was like, "Man, I don't come to social media like this, but like, you know, I gotta make that free throw." And so he's holding himself accountable. And like, to me as a fan, that's what you love to see. The guy out there who's you know giving one hundred and ten percent effort on the floor, diving for loose balls, you know, grabbing rebounds, locking up multiple players, you know, being a great switch defender. That guy is mad at himself because he didn't uh, make a free throw. And I'm like, I like that. But, like, it's like, sorry, dog, like, you did a great job. You know what I'm saying? I would – don't be mad at yourself over a missed free throw because that, that undersells all the other good that you did. So, like, I love that he's 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 stuck on these little things like that. Um, Ty Ty had a huge, huge play that we were kind of going to talk about, that floater – um, to kind of put us up, that kind of, I wouldn't say that sealed the game, but they gave us a nice little cushion that kind of was like, all right, like we, we might be able to win this one. Um, was when he had that huge floater. Like I said, he's been, um, he's been, he's been huge to me. Like I said, I, I think he's, he's shown me that he is a true point guard. He's somebody who I can trust to run my offense. Um, like I said, in the first segment, I love that he makes a, an effort to get Jabari the ball in his spots. Like if nobody else out there is going to find Jabari, Ty Ty Washington will. Um, and so, for that alone, like I'm super, I was super high on Tatai coming into the uh, you know summer league. I'm still pretty high on him. He's been my, one of my favorite players on the roster so far. Um, I'm really excited for that for him. Um, Jabari Smith, like Brad kind of touched on, he did not have the best offensive game. I am glad that even though his jumper wasn't falling, that he kept shooting. I would much rather him go 0 for 20 than to go one for one. So you know, keep shooting, Jabari. If your jumper's not falling, just keep shooting. It was a little frustrating though that um you know because it was like he was getting good looks these are shots that he normally makes um and he was like he was he wasn't confident like there were some times where like uh, it was possession I think in the first half where he got an open three and he hesitated and then he pulled it and it went off and so it's like I don't know maybe he has like some first game jitters or you know what I'm saying he's he's still kind of just getting acclimated to the to the to the you know the NBA level 
Um, but those are shots that he normally makes. So it, it was, I would say, concerning. No one should be concerned about Jabari Smith so far. It's it's summer league, dog. Like like Brad touched on, man. Trey Young had, had a horrible start. Uh, he, I mean, Jabari Smith is, is hardly the first player. Uh, more recently, Evan Mobley and, and, and Franz uh, Wagner, they had horrible summer leagues. And it was mainly because of how their rosters were constructed, which is kind of similar to what Jabari is experiencing right now. So I'm not concerned at all. But it was kind of frustrating to see that um, shots that he normally makes, he kind of could knock down. Um, and especially knowing like he would have had a monster stat line if he did knock them down. Like Brian such ones if we said four steals, three blocks, like his stat line would have been crazy had he had he knocked them down. But the one thing that I do love about Jabari Smith's game yesterday is that he he found a way to impact the game without scoring, right? His jumper wasn't falling, he wasn't hitting the shots that he normally hits, but on the other end of the floor. He was still doing everything you wanted to do. He was he was battling for with Shet for the rebounds. He was locking up Shet. It was like three consecutive possessions where Shet tried to score on him. It didn't work. Um, he was um, you know he was he was like he he in my opinion the game ceiling play was Jabari Smith jumping on the ground for that loose ball that was gonna go out of bounds. Like usually guys, I tweet this out. Usually guys who make those plays, it's your PJ Tucker's, your, your Patrick Beverly's, your Jay Sean Tate's, the guys who are the role players. Might have been. I don't. I think Peter Tucker and Patrick Bell were both second round picks. Might have been undrafted. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think they were both undrafted to be honest. Okay, and I know Jay Sean Tate was too. So like, it's usually mm-hmm. it's usually guys like that who were late second round picks, the guys who are fighting for their spot in the NBA. Because like, if they, you know, if I don't jump on this loose ball, I don't have a job tomorrow. Jabari Smith's job is secured for like the next four or five years. Jabari Smith has a has a spot in the NBA, and it's not going nowhere. And he's still jumping on those loose balls. Like when you have the third pick in the NBA draft jumping for loose balls, you know what I'm saying? Just that determined to win, then you're in a good spot. Like Jabari Smith, he's talked about it since before the draft, during the draft, and, you know, in some of the interviews, he just wants to win. A lot of guys say they want to win. Jabari Smith plays like he wants to win, right? And so what he played, um, you know, jump on that loose ball, I mean, that's a, that's a winning play. Um, uh, was there anything else? Oh, Eric Coleman. Um, like I said, he he's, he's finding a way to star in his role. And, and to uh, to fight for um, you know maybe a two way contract maybe a G League shot you know what I'm saying um, poster and Shet dog like that <laughs> that's crazy man <laughs> not many guys can say that but that might be the first time Shet has been poster in his in his NBA career so far um, so yeah man um, I was on mute but yeah that's the first time uh, yeah Shet's got poster yeah yeah so like yeah man like that Eric Coleman um, so he's somebody who who I'm definitely giving. Um, my eye too. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else from the game yesterday that I want to highlight? No, nah, man. I, that was that's pretty much it, man. I mean, like I said, I I just want to continue to see Jabari, uh, continue to be aggressive, continue shooting. Don't let this game, you know, mess with your confidence. Um, uh, keep keep letting him fly. Tar East and keep being the great player that you've been. And Ty Ty, man. Like like I said, I, I've been really impressed with Ty Ty. Just keep excelling. Your role. I want to see him get a get a larger role. See what he can do when his role increases. One reason why I kind of see Josh Christopher kind of get phased out. Um, and then to answer your question about Usman Garuba, um, yeah, man, it's it's this. So for those who don't know, Usman Garuba has an ankle injury and he's not going to be playing at summer league. Um, and so yeah, man, like um, it's frustrating. It's it's very frustrating because Usman Garuba is somebody who I was you know saying that I would I would be okay with not signing a Mo Bamba or Nicholas Claxton, because I want to give Usman Garuba those back of five minutes, right? So it is frustrating that he hasn't been able to stay healthy enough, you know, between this this season, this offseason, and then last season, you know, just not being able to stay healthy enough to be on the court and show us what he can do. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's getting – it's starting to get a little frustrating because he's Usman's somebody who I was really hoping that would, you know, be able to be uh, an amazing, you know, honestly, a five, switch all five defender, you know what I'm saying? And it just – he we said a lot of guys, but, like, if Usman Garuba can get a three-point shot, dog, Jeez, dude, it's over. Um, so it's disappointing there. Um, but no, there's no reason for Rockets fans to be, you know, throwing out the, the B word, the bus word. He still he still has plenty of time to show us what he what he can do. I mean, uh Blake Griffin didn't play at all his first his first year in the NBA. And we all know Blake Griffin went on to become a multiple time all-star, great player in the NBA, had a great career. So or still having a great career. Um, so no, nah, man, there's no reason for us to be, I, I guess I'm gonna say not concerned. Uh, I guess I guess it might be time to start getting a little bit worried, um, but no, nah, I mean we shouldn't be throwing up the B word. There's still plenty of time for Usman Garuba to get his career back on track. But one of the things that is kind of concerning too is like he is running out of time, right? Because the Rockets are on an accelerated rebuild. We don't own our picks um, after next season, 
And so the goal, at least from what we've been hearing, what we kind of expect to happen is after this season, it's go time. It's time to start, you know, putting some wins on the board. And if Garuba cannot carve out a role for himself on this team when we're, you know, the worst team in the NBA, I don't see how he's going to carve a role out for himself when we're trying to be the not worst team in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's the part where it's kind of concerning. His time is kind of is is is, is getting close. To that time where it's like, man, you got to show us what you got. You got to show us that you're worth giving a rotation spot to uh, when it's time to win or, you know, not trading away. Like, you need to show us that more. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be time for us to look a different direction. Um, and, yeah, I think that's kind of a lot to say about Uzma. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, before I jump on the, onto the Uzma train, um, I want to talk about P.J. Tucker and uh, Beverly. Those were our second-round draft picks. when to correct okay. myself really quickly. But, you know, point being, you got your number three overall pick dialed on the floor for loose ball. So it's good to see Jabari Smith going out there and doing that. You know, Tari Eason's that same guy as well. So having those two guys on the floor, you know, skying for rebounds, doing all those sorts of things, you know. Hopefully those are your starting three and four, you know, in the long-term future. But, you know, as for uh, Garuba, you know, it sucks to not see him play. You know, there were reports that he's looked extremely good in the offseason. So I was looking forward to see how he would look playing the five with the group. But, you know, obviously the sprained ankle, he's not going to be out there. Um, he is expected to play for Spain, I believe, in the Eurobasket in September. Uh, Shangun will also be playing in that. So that's going to be our first chance to see how, you know, Garuba looks. So, you know, hopefully he's able to play, you know, heals that sprained ankle. But, you know, as for the roster, you know, if he's not able to turn it around and can't uh, play backup five, because I want to see him play those backup five minutes, you know. As Will mentioned, you know, this is honestly the last year for him to prove he's a part of this young core and could be on the team going forward, because if he can't carve a role for himself in this upcoming season, then next year the Rockets are going to be trying to win games. And if you're not in the mix when they're rebuilding, you're not going to be in the mix when they're trying to win games. That's just how it's going to be. So, But if he, if he can't play, you know, this year, uh, I haven't really talked to a lot of people about this. I haven't seen people, you know, discuss this, but I feel like Tar Eason, you know, he's been playing some small ball five in the summer league. I feel like they could mess around and throw him at back up five to start the season. I know people want to see him start at the three. If Eric Gordon's there, you know, more likely than not, it's not going to happen. You still got Jay Shaw Tate, who hypothetically will come off the bench still, along with KJ Martin, who would hypothetically come off the bench. So that leaves Tari out the rotation completely, if you think about it. But he, Tari needs to play, right? So I could see him playing those backup five minutes if Uzman can't turn it around. Or if they just don't want to play KJ Martin and throw Tari in at the four, then okay. But, yeah, if Uzman can't turn around, man, yeah. I'm not going to say he was a bust. You know, he was picked 23 uh, for a reason. Extremely good defensive player. Um, but, I mean, if, if he can't turn out for the Rockets, you know, the Rockets have a replacement in Tari Eason. They got the same height, same wingspan, play similar roles. Uh, Tari even looks more comfortable taking a three ball at this point in time. So I'd rather see him play small ball five than Groove at this point. If that's if that's the direction they go, but will I ask you about that really quickly? What are your thoughts on Tari? You know, potentially playing, you know, back of five if the Rockets can't make a move to get rid of Eric Gordon, or you know, KJ Martin, assuming all those guys are in the rotation. Um, I don't, I don't hate it. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I also I, hate I don't it. hate. Yeah. it. Uh, I, I prefer to keep Tari Eason on the wing as opposed to playing as a small ball five. I think he can play small ball five in short spurts. Right. Um, but I don't think it should be like his main role when the season starts. So um, if that's the case, and that's, that's that's kind of the conundrum we're gonna we're gonna be coming into because like we have KJ, we have Tate. I'm pretty sure Eric Gordon's still gonna be here. Um, and then you know there's Taris and and a lot of these guys share the same weakness. I think we kind of touched on this in the previous podcast, but like uh, Tari, KJ, and, and Tate, these guys kind of share the same weaknesses. They're guys who really can't shoot, especially the floor. So it's, it's going to be kind of tough to play them together, especially if, like, Josh Christopher is your backup, you know, your sixth man, right? And he's not necessarily the world's best shooter either. So um, it's going to be tough to kind of play all three of those guys. It's going to be interesting to see how Silas manages that. Um, but you kind of teed me up for what I was going to try to introduce to the, to the, to the discussion. Um, one, uh, for, for Garuba, I'll say this real quick. I'll, I'll get back to it, right? Um, let's say Garuba doesn't pan out, right? To me, that's not. I, I'm gonna knock on wood. I, I hope he doesn't. I still believe in Garuba. I still want him to, you know, get you know get healthy and, and have that backup five role when the season starts. Right. I still believe in him. Right. But let's say that Usman Garuba does not. Right. And just worst case scenario, he doesn't pan out. He's, you know, he just just can't ever stay healthy. He can't get can't get a role with the Rockets. I mean, man, we 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 took four rookies last year. If one of those four doesn't pan out, it was just pick twenty three. It's not the end of the world, right? To hit on three out of four picks, which so far I think we have. I think Jalen was a hit. I think Shingun was a hit. 
And I, I really believe in Josh Christopher. So I think he was a hit too. Um, so to hit on three out of four picks and you just missed on one. And it was a, it was a, it was a smart gamble, right? Like if Garuba pans out, he's crazy valuable, right? Crazy valuable player. So if he doesn't pan out, I'm not going to be tripping on it. Like it, it was a smart gamble by Stone. It didn't work out. You know what I'm saying? You still have uh, Jabari and Tari and Tata coming in next year. Like, and most are looking like might be hits there too. So um, not the end of the world. And that kind of, kind of leads me to my, 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 my next thing I want to ask you too. Um, how do you feel about signing um, a backup five, maybe even a point guard, right? Um, I, I was, you know, I said I was on the let Garuba get the back of five minutes, but if he's, you know what I'm saying, going to be in and out of the lineup with injury and maybe he's not NBA ready just yet, maybe he needs to spend some time in the G League, I don't think I want Boban being my my backup five. I think he's been spending more time uh, as a third returner in like blowouts as opposed to an actual rotation piece. Um, and then uh, Dacian Knicks, that first game, like I said, he, he kind of scared me. I wasn't the big Dacian Knicks fan after that first game. Second game, he kind of turned it around, but I'm still not like I'm still not completely solid on Knicks as the backup point guard. I like Ty Ty a lot more. Um, but if Ty Ty or Knicks aren't ready, let's say one of those guys get hurt, I don't know. I might want to get a backup point guard. You know what I'm saying? So I'm kind of considering, you know, just as as Uzman Garuba insurance and as Ty Ty slash Knicks insurance, I'm kind of considering that we should sign a backup uh, point guard. And before I let you talk, I'll, I'll present the opposition. I was, I was talking to, uh, to Paulo about this the other day. And Paulo was saying that he wouldn't uh, do either. He would just roll with what we got. And his his logic was like, let's say let's say Ty Ty and Knicks aren't ready. He would just, he would just stagger the minute so that KPJ, Jalen, Shingle, at least one of those guys are on the floor at all times, um, and that would kind of help your playmaking stay afloat um, during those bench units. And then he was just like, man, man, I would just I would figure it out with with Bobon. You know, he he doesn't want, he doesn't want to cut anybody from the roster. He's rather just roll with it. So I'm kind of curious where, where do you kind of lie on this? Uh, sign backup point guard center no don't do it you know assuming you're talking about paulo alves you know host of yeah, the yeah, yeah. podcast <laughs> shout out to paulo um i'm on the same page as him you know um to your point you know if the rockets do want to kind of bring in somebody um as insurance you know center would be the spot to do that in my opinion but if you look at the market right now who are some guys that you would bring in if you're the rockets uh, Bruno Fernando is probably the first name that comes to mind. I know a lot of people want to bring Bruno back. He did look productive in spot minutes at times. As we talked about with Roosh on the last podcast, Roosh mentioned, you know, his stats did look good, but he wasn't as good as most people made him out to be. And I'm kind of on that same page as well. So if Uzman isn't looking the best, I'm not mad at playing Tari's in that backup five, even though I don't want to play him at backup five. But as long as he's getting minutes on the court, I'm happy because I just want to see our rookies get time to develop on the court. You know, as for a point guard, I, I'm confident that, you know, Knicks or Ty Ty will pan out, you know, not so much in Knicks, but more so in Ty Ty, you know, panning out. So I, I'd be okay with those guys getting minutes. And if they don't work out, I wouldn't even stagger, you know, like like Paulo said. I would just run them out there on the floor. Again, this is a year where the Rockets, you know, winning does nothing for them. If they win games, then good. That's a good sign. They're ahead of the curve. But you're not going to go out there and lose games on purpose. Um, so there, there's no fault in, in playing these young guys if they're not ready just yet. But, you know, that's their learning curve, getting up to speed in the, uh, during the season. So I'm not mad if they're not looking the best that they can. Um, as for another center, Will, I want to say you've mentioned DeMarcus Cousins, a guy that can just come in, maybe be sort of a mentorish kind of role. Same uh, reason that people have brought up a Rajon Rondo for a point guard, being more of a mentor. You know, like Kevin Porter Jr. and some of the younger guys in the roster. And you know, if if you look at the roster as a whole, right, the ten guys projected to be in the in the rotation, eight of them are 22 and younger. You know, outside of Jay Shantae and Eric Gordon, uh, Tate's 26, 27. I want to say Eric Gordon's in his 30s. Everyone else is 22 or younger. Extremely young team. You're not gonna have any veterans out there, really. So, if they do want to sign somebody, maybe get some veteran spot minutes. Sure. Um, the only other guy that could get veteran spot minutes on the team is David Nwaba. I don't nobody. I talked to probably wants to see David Nwaba out there on the floor. He is going to come and hustle, bring energy. But now the Rockets thankfully have Jabari Smith and Tari Eason and Jay Shantae that can go out there and do that. So no need for Nwaba at this point. But, you know, as well. Mentioned, you know, did they ever – I have a feeling, did they – they played Nwaba as a small ball five at some points, didn't they? They did against the Raptors. They threw out a lineup. I could be wrong. They threw out Josh Christopher, Jay Shantae, David Nwaba, KJ Martin, 
and somebody else who couldn't shoot. It was like the oh, a five yeah, in. It was the five in. <laughs> yeah, so like I was terrible. Man, it <laughs> I'm, I, it just hit me. It wouldn't surprise me knowing knowing our coaching staff. <laughs> if David Nwaba is the backup five next season, dog. Goodness gracious. Um, yeah, but you know, yeah. To your point. Um, I personally wouldn't bring in any veterans, you know, even though this is an extremely young team. Uh, uh, your veterans are going to be Boban, David Nawaba, uh, Jay Shante, if you want to call him a veteran, because he's 26, 27, and then Eric Gordon. Outside of that, everyone is extremely young. That's the only reason I bring in a vet. If you want to uh, give somebody a mentor kind of role. But I'm cool with Nawaba being sort of a mentor. I mean, you don't look at David Nawaba like, oh, he could be a mentor, but he, he gives a lot of energy out there on the floor. Uh, that's something that, you know. Oh, I thought you had said something. My fault. No, yeah, no, Dave Uncle Uncle Dave. Oh yeah, Uncle Dave. Uncle Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of those guys that's gonna, you know, show everybody, show everybody else on the court, like, okay, I need to give 125 percent effort. You know, the Wab is one of those guys, and I, I admire him for that. Uh, I'll admire it in practice, but I don't need to see it on the court. But you know, that's something that he could bring in practice, and you know, encourage the rest of the young guys on the roster. But I would not bring in any veterans to your question. Yeah, and then we we can wrap it up. I, I want to give you one last question. And then you can give your final thoughts and we can we can start wrapping it. Um, sure. But for the sake uh, and I, I do want to talk about this, but also for the sake of not being uh, accused of Apollo Bancaro fan. Um, what were your thoughts on Shed Homer? Um, how, how did you how did you uh, like him? Not even just yesterday, but just this summer league in general. So, Chet, I had him number two on my board. Chet is a guy who's going to impact the game of basketball in every single facet. You know, people are going to look at him, not see a single second of him playing, and be like, oh, yeah, that guy's too skinny to play in the NBA. But if you really watch him, his length makes up for any time he gets bullied. You know, not any time. You know, you saw Kenny, uh, Kenneth Lofton, you know, big old uh, 280, 6'7 guy in the Memphis Grizzlies. He bodied him a few times, but more times than not, Chet's able to use his length to combat, you know, someone going at him at his chest. And we saw in the, in the Rockets and Thunder game, man, um, Chet had some amazing weak side blocks, even one that was called a goaltending on Josh. I was amazed how, how quick he got over there just to contest that shot. And even though Chet shot three for 10 from the field, you know, as Jabari shot five for 19, Jabari had a huge impact on the game because he had four steals and three blocks. You know, Chet Holmgren, he came out there, shot three for 10 from the field, but he made a huge impact. He had four blocks, I want to say, in the second half. So guys that could go out there and impact the game of basketball, even though they're having a bad shooting night, those are guys that you want to have on your team at all times. And Chet's one of those guys. And, you know, even offensively, they, even though he had a bad game, he went up against two tough matchups with um, Tari and Jabari. But, man, even in that first summer league game that you said touch on, you know, the entire summer league, I want to say he had 23 points, six blocks, set the summer league record for blocks. He's out there dribbling, you know, hitting step backs, you know, tween, tween, you know, cross. The man has guard skills. He's even bringing the ball up at some point in times uh, on the inbound. Like, being 7-1, having those guard skills, I don't care how skinny he is. He's a center, 7-1 doing these things. And uh, I've known he could do this since, uh, you know, he crossed up Steph Curry at his, at his uh, camp when he was, like, 16. So seeing him do this in the NBA is really cool. I think he's going to be a star. Um, the weight concerns, I don't care for them at all. Um, his length is going to be able to make up for those, in my opinion. So Orlando and, you know, they see they are really good players, you know, as did the Rockets. I'm really happy with Jabari so far. Draft class, uh, draft class is looking really fun, so I'm excited to see how they all turn out. But what, what are your thoughts on Chet so far? Yeah. I mean, same with you, man. I had him at number two on my board as well. Um, yeah, like you said, the weight concerns, that was the biggest thing. And it was like I, I was one of the people who was like, oh, this just makes sense. But then you sit there and you watch his film and you, you watch how he plays and you're like, you, you basically get it. Like, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? And, like, the um the crazy part, the argument is always well, what happens when he guards Giannis, what happens when he guards Jokic, what happens when he guards Embiid. And my response to that is always name me who in the NBA can guard those guys. Rudy Gobert is not checking Giannis. He, he's not checking, he's he's considered the best defender in the NBA right now. He's not stopping Jokic, he's not stopping um Embiid. I, I remember I, I don't know if you remember this, Brad, but like I remember Clint Capella will be out, out running that dude all night when we played the Jazz, you know, four years ago. Like, Gobert's yeah. not stop. He's not stopping Giannis from scoring. So, like, if if the metric for not being a bust is being able to guard Giannis, then the entire league is a bust because, like, nobody can guard that guy. So, I, I've always thought that was kind of like a silly rebuttal was being able to guard Giannis, being able to guard Embiid because, like, nobody can guard those guys. Um, and, like like you said, Brad, he's 7-1, 7-2-ish. With guard skills, dog, like that's not normal, bro. You know what I'm saying? You talk about what's what's 
what's normal. That's not it, man. Being able to grab the rebound, go to the full court, hit a step back three, and drain it, nothing but net, bro. <laughs> can't nobody at that size do that, man. That's that is unheard of. I mean, he had the the dirt KD fadeaway kind of already perfected. He hit that no problem already. Um, and then his defense is every bit as good as advertised, man. It's every bit as good. Uh, there was possession last time. I think it was. I wish I would have pulled up. I think it was either Knicks or Josh. I'm trying to think where they had like drove on 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 Shet. Shet contained them and kind of funneled him to the corner. Right, they passed it off, and Tari was trying to get like a dunk because like uh, Shet was like on the sidelines by the baseline. He wasn't really wasn't really in the in the picture anymore. Shet found a way to get right back in the picture and block Tari. And it's like, yeah, you talk about we talk about you know his weight and what he can't do, but look at what he just like. How many guys in the NBA can do that? Go contain a guard's drive and then recover in enough time to go block. And Tari ain't, ain't a punk, you know what I'm saying? Tari is he punching a man. He, you know what I'm saying? It is it's not, it's not a that's not a skinny dude to block. So to be able to go, go from guarding a guard to then running over and not even just contesting, but blocking Tari Eason in the span of like two, three seconds is crazy, dog. So yeah, man, I, I I I'm a firm believer in Shet. I've been seeing Twitter hate on him a lot lately, so I'm, I'm gonna be a, a Shet fan just because, like, man, I, I think the discourse surrounding him is overblown. But yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts, man. It's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I think all, again, all three guys they have a really good upside. So you know, as you mentioned, um, right after that play where he blocked Tari, or right before that, that's when he had blocked Josh, and they called the goaltend. So for him to come right back and get that block on Tari, I was like, yeah, this kid's everywhere. He's going to be insane. So, yeah, uh, not Orlando, but, you know, Oklahoma City definitely got them one there. But, Will, if you didn't have any uh, anything else to add, then we can wrap it for this episode. So, yeah, as always, again, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, at NBA. Again, I got all your favorite stats, highlights, everything covered. Check me out over there. And if you're still with us, I appreciate you. Will and I appreciate you. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Uh, we're getting up there, you know, every single week. So we appreciate you guys' support and for always listening. But I'll pass it off to him. Yeah, man. Um, like I said earlier, man, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bias Houston. Shout out Clutch to the Control Room. Instagram, Twitter, shout out Brad on Will on Instagram and Twitter. Um, like Brad said, we really appreciate you guys sticking with us every week, uh, making us, you know, the start of your week and, you know, listening, commenting, subscribing, all that good stuff. We really appreciate that. So um, keep it up. And with that, I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, appreciate y'all for your time and we'll see y'all next Monday. All right. See y'all.